0: Welcome to the Bold Dreamer podcast. I am your host, Christina, and I'm so glad that you're here. This podcast, I've said it and I'll say it again, is really for the women out there chasing their dreams no matter their life circumstances. We all have something in the back of our minds that we dream about, that we want to do, that we wish we could do, but we think we can't. And I want to silence that voice that tries to take that dream away from us. And today's episode is such a good one. It is with one of my dearest friends in the whole world, Kathy Rohn, and she is the epitome of living life on her own terms, that goes for job, that goes for falling into entrepreneurship. And... Her story is just so, not only relatable, but it's so interesting how it's all evolved. And I can't wait for you guys to hear it. She has her PhD. Okay, amazing. Um, But she also, during COVID, found a love of hiking. And it's really a testament to when you're doing something that you love. Things just, I love to use the term, snowball and they snowball in your favor, and people love to see what you're doing, and you start creating amazing things that you kind of didn't even know were possible. Um, she has partnerships and a blog, and has spoken with the Appalachian Trail. She's walked the Appalachian Trail over five or six months, it took her. And she goes into that and what that was like, and how she's balancing having a PhD mind you, and a job. And also having this passion led, I'm going to call it a job. I don't know if she'd call it a job, but I'm going to call it a job. And how she's balancing the two and finding success in both. And it's fascinating to hear. And I think you are going to find a lot of inspiration in her story just because she said, fuck the status quo. I'm going to do this the way I want to do it. And it's been beautiful to witness as a friend, but sitting down and actually talking through it with her was amazing. And I really hope that you feel that way too. So, you know what I'm going to say. Grab your cup of coffee, sit down at the table with us, and really let yourself be inspired by those dreams that are kind of whispering in the back of your head and don't silence them. Just start. If, start. Like that's the, that's the whole thing, right? Like just start. Write it down. Open your notes app. I have notes apps for everything that I want to do. Um, open your notes app. Say, I want fill in the blank. Like this is what it looks like. I wish I could have this. And that's starting. And I think a lot of times we forget about that because we think starting entails, you know, having a website and doing all these things, but it's just not true. So sit down with us, get inspired, reach down into yourself and and see a piece of yourself inside these stories. And um, yeah, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So let's get into it. Okay, Kathy, um, I'm so glad that you agreed to do this with me. We've known each other for literally ever, like our actual entire lives. Um, so this should be really, really fun. But before we get into all the amazing things you're doing, are you a coffee drinker? You're a coffee drinker, right? You have to be. You have to be. What is your favorite way to take your coffee? this is a really good
1: question. I'm definitely a coffee drinker. I, I think we'll get into this later, but I had taken like five months off to go like live in the woods and hike this past year. And so I got rid of like all of my belongings. And when I came back, I was like, what coffee maker do I get? Because that's a really important part of my day. And it took me like two months to make a decision. But ultimately what I've been doing is drinking just drip coffee, but with foamed oat milk. That I, like, I heat up Mm. and I use a little foam thing and I, it just feels like a treat to be able to have, like, something whipped on the top of your coffee in the
0: morning. (laughs) Something whipped. It just feels fancy. It's so true. I know. It's, I do the same thing because it just... I don't know. It does feel like a treat. And sometimes I literally go to bed, like looking forward to my coffee in the morning because I, ha- it, I just make it a really happy part of me. Yeah, my
1: day. It's such a nice like ritual. And I also care very deeply about the mug that I drink out of. I use one mug yes. that I bought in Patagonia. It's a ceramic mug and it just like reminds me of like the place that I bought it and how much I loved it and like creating a home that has stuff that I really like. And so I use the same mug every single
0: day. I love that. Jordan and I just had a conversation the other day. Like we have so many mugs that have accumulated from both of our lives. And we're like, we need to get rid of the mugs unless they make us feel something. <laughs> yeah. The handmade mugs. I swear having like tea or coffee out of a handmade mug like enhances and changes almost the entire experience I love that okay so if you had this is this is the loaded question I want in your words to tell everyone what you do and how you got there
1: Okay. So I listened to your last couple of podcast episodes and I anticipated this question and I was like, how am I going to answer this? Because for people who don't know me, I'm doing like a hundred things that seemingly don't make any sense from the outside. But for me, like they all make sense because I'm still figuring out what I want to do. Um, so I guess what I'll say is like what I do right now, I just finished my PhD in higher education and I am an educational researcher, so that means like I conduct qualitative studies on broadly like student experience, middle school, high school, college, and ensuring that students aren't just like getting through school, but really thriving there. Um, and I specifically focus on students from marginalized backgrounds, so students from low income backgrounds or BIPOC students, so Black, Indigenous, and people of color. And how we can really support them um, thriving in their educational trajectories. And so that is like the big picture of like what I what I do. Um, I right now I'm in like a postdoc position where I am studying social media, mental health and how middle school and high school students relate to social media and the impacts of that on their mental health. And at the same time, <laughs> I also I love it. Um, am an avid like hiker and backpacker and traveler and explorer. So my husband and I have an Instagram account that we um, like update very frequently, and a written blog where we talk about like our hiking experiences and like itineraries and travel and things like that. And um, like I just took five months off to through hike the Appalachian Trail, which is about two thousand two hundred miles from. Maine to Georgia so it's like I'm simultaneously like engaging in something I really care about like this research but then I'm also trying to like live out my passions in ways and figure out ways that those connect and so also in my like professional work I study experiential education and outdoor education and have conducted studies about like the benefits of nature and being outdoors and what those things can really help um students deal with and cope with in their lives. So that's part of some of the research that I do. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I do. That,
0: <laughs> I think you summed that up really well, personally. No. <laughs> and what I love about that is you're, I know that you struggle with the, quote, unquote, like traditional societal expectation of, like, the route that you should have taken – um when did you kind of realize that your path because back up a little bit so you graduated we we did undergrad together and uh you graduated and you thought like your job was going to be mm-hmm. in art cuz you've always been like really good at art really into it you you majored in it i believe mm-hmm. art history when did you realize like okay i'm going to switch paths mm-hmm. and kind of abandon what you thought you were going to do cuz i think that's a really hard thing for people to admit and like uh have this quote unquote dream and like walk away from what they've been working toward their whole life yeah
1: i so i think, think this is a really good question um so Christine and I did go to college together um, and go <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, I don't even know what my youth mascot was, but we did go to college together and I think all of this probably um, relates to one another. So I'll just like go back to like when I was 21, I graduated college and I needed to get a job. Like I, I graduated with an art history degree. I was working in galleries during college and I really wanted to stay working in museums after that but the reality was as i was 21 i was in a long distance relationship with my boyfriend now hubby but then boyfriend and I needed a job to sustain our lives. And like, I didn't have the financial support of family and things like that after college. And so I thought, okay, I want to start, stay in New York city. I might have to like abandon the museum thing because that's just not providing me with what I need right now. And so I was like, I need any job. And I was looking at art and education. And I was like, I'll take anything in either one of those places. And I got a job as an office manager at a charter school in Coney Island when I was 21. And I, on the weekends, worked at the museum, giving tours, thinking that maybe someday I would get back there and get back to that space. But I ended up working in that school for eight years. And I just grew a ton. I started to really love education and thinking about inequity in education and access to quality education. And I grew into a leader at the school. And so that just felt like the place to be for me. And I did teach art there. So I kept the art thing kind of in going in tandem with my education um, my career in education and for me I guess like the big point at which I switched or reflected on like not following like the trajectory is like I could have just stayed in that job I could have just done that but I was working 12 plus hours a day five days a week on weekends it was a startup school I was exhausted And I felt like I needed to, like, work on myself and grow more and actually like step back and be like, who am I? Because I just dove right into it after college. I had no idea who I was for that whole stretch. Um, And I actually did that last year that I worked at that school. I decided to do a yoga teacher training. I did my 200-hour training. And that kind of changed my mindset about everything. I was like, oh, I can focus on myself and think about me and what I want and not, like, what job is going to help me to get to this quote, like next place. So yeah, I decided to go to grad school from there, but I ended up at a grad school. I didn't think I was going to get to, I thought I was going to go be a school counselor in Virginia. I thought I was going to go to VA. I actually accepted an acceptance there when I was 29. And as soon as I got into Harvard, I was like, no, that does not feel right. I don't want to move to the suburbs and be a counselor and have a family. That's I think what everyone told me I was supposed to do. And at the last minute I changed my mind because it just did not
0: sit right with me. Uh, and I'd put my money on that you making that split decision to abandon what you thought you were gonna do, like you look back and you're like, Thank God I did that. Yes. Like moving when I like think yeah. of like those like key moments in life that
1: like, I don't know, your sliding doors moments or the places that you chose something based on your gut instinct and not overthinking it. That- moving to Boston and choosing to come here was the best decision I made. And the first decision probably I made that came straight from me and not from what I thought I was supposed to do. And it was like visceral. Like I got, like, I got in to Harvard and it wasn't like, yeah, there was like a name aspect to it. Like I, I wanted to push myself intellectually, but it was like, oh, I actually really don't want to like quote settle down and buy a house and do those things that, I felt like at 29 and after being married for like seven years at that point or however long that I was supposed to do. And I was like, whoa, that's a big light bulb moment for me.
0: Yeah. I like love what you said about not knowing who you were. First of all, I didn't realize you were at the Coney Island school for <laughs> eight years. That's yeah. crazy. Um, that, cause I relate to that so much of, and I've talked to multiple people about this and I've mentioned it before like I feel like my 20s and my teen years and early 20s especially like I almost feel like they were a fever dream because I like didn't know who Mm -hmm. I was and I you know we both we also went to the same (laughs) high school and in that setting it was okay we grew up in suburbia one um and two it was like this constant pressure to just be like better than the kid next to you right like get into the better school get better grades be and like that's what the focus was on for so many years and there was never a focus on who are you what do you like what do and I mean like that has ended up being like an Achilles heel for me because I'm still 35 and I'm like well let me just like throw something (laughs) else into the wind and see if it sticks but what changed is when i finally stopped like you said and you stop and you're like what do i want i don't care what everybody else says you start making decisions differently mm-hmm. and they are they're guttural yeah. and um it it's almost like a nagging feeling that you can't quiet yeah. right and it's like those are the things that you start to chase and The noise around you of what you should be doing, it's still there, but it just doesn't like permeate your being as much. And I feel like that's a really important place for people to get to because you just start living life in a different Mm -hmm. way. And I feel like you're like the perfect example of that because, yeah, you've been, you got married like right after college. Mm -hmm. And like moving to for people that don't know uva is like in a picturesque part of virginia you probably would have had like the house and the picket fence and you know this stable job and whatever Mm -hmm. uh who knows maybe you would have like started a family because that's the um the environment you Mm -hmm. would have been in but instead you were like no like fuck it I'm out. (laughs) And and it probably was really scary, but also felt really good. Yeah.
1: I mean, I feel like all of those things, it was um, like choosing that at that time, I think was like a really pivotal like decision point for both like me and my husband about what we were choosing to do and how like I wanted to invest my time in my life, like in my resources into what things in my life, you know, it's like, that tuition could have gone to like a house to like then have kids and that plan. But it was like, no, like that is going to go to me, not just going to school because I care about education, because I do. I deeply care about it. I wouldn't be doing what I do now professionally, quote, like if I didn't care about education. Right, yeah. However, of it was for me so much more about like figuring out how I think about the world and how I think about myself in it and relationships and why things operate the way they do. And like, that's what education was for me. And I'd rather invest that like monetary resource and time resource into that, as opposed to what I think a lot of people were asking me about, both directly and indirectly, at that age of like, well, aren't you going yeah. to fill in the blank?
0: <laughs> fill in Have the blank. Kids,
1: buy a all house, move things, closer yes. to this, move closer to family. You know, like all of that stuff. And it just yeah. wasn't. By a minute, yeah. Yeah. It's like this uh... just wasn't the right <laughs> thing for me to do, and it has led to yeah. so much more creativity and like finding refinding and rediscovering those parts of what I loved about art about like all those things and put them together now
0: yeah and I think a lot of so I'm actually gonna like sorry mom I'm gonna call you out for a hot second but a lot of people look at not having kids as like a selfish mm-hmm. thing um, and I've been called like mm-hmm. selfish for saying that I'm just not sure if kids are in my picture but – and and my direction on that has honestly changed a little bit, but I'm very glad that I have been self – quote, unquote, selfish because I think it's so important to um, – if, if you're somebody that hasn't completely found themselves yet, to find yourself first before that's even something that you mm-hmm. consider. Um, so would you say, like, when you got your um, – acceptance to Harvard. Mm. Were you going knowing what you were going to do or were you still kind of like sifting through being like, all right, I'm just going to keep going until things like fall into place because I know that's how I operate. I'm just like, all right, we're just going to like go with it until something kind of like – comes to fruition
1: we are two peas in a pod in that way (laughs) like I was like okay I'm gonna study higher education and like I could do these seven things after this degree and two months into the degree I was like huh I would really like a PhD had never even known what a PhD would entail had not never considered what becoming, like getting a doctorate would be. And in October, I was like, I think I'm going to do that. And Kevin was like, great. My, my husband, Kevin was like, great. Great. He was like, okay. <laughs> he was like, then just do it now. He was like, just roll right into it because you're not going to go back if you then go recommit to another school. He was like, you're going to be like 50 and then trying to go back. He's like, just go now.
0: <laughs> so he's like, I, I I support you, but like, let's, let's be like a little bit, um,
1: exactly. He's like, just,
0: let's just roll right through it. Like now we
1: like know where we are. Let's stay in a place for more than like four months or six months, like just go into it. So yeah, I started my PhD right after and I still, to this day, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like people often ask, well, what are you yeah. going to do with that degree quote? It's like everyone's favorite question when you finish anything. It's like, what's the next thing? Yeah. And for me, it's like, there are so many doors and there's so many ways to like create or craft a profession. And I don't know what I want to do. And all I've been doing for the last five years is just trying to like explore different options, build skills, like ask a lot of questions. And that's, I hope that some point things will kind of fall into place for me um and that's kind of where I am
0: honestly I think that mindset because I very much am in that mindset too where it's like tomorrow I could be like "Mm, you know what I don't feel like doing what I'm doing anymore and I'll abandon it and I'll like go find something new to do whether that's like working somewhere or creating some new weird crazy job and start selling it on the internet like I do like Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I think for happiness, that's like a really important thing because and that's something that I've like really had to work to let go of that happiness and quote unquote success um don't always have to look the way that we think mm-hmm. they do, you know, like success can be rolled into happiness, it doesn't have to be like monetary or um you know like the house on the picket fence or like the purchased purchased house like we live in a rented house right now i think mm-hmm. you're renting and um you know a lot of people it's really hard to unlearn like oh my god i am 35 <laughs> or you're 34 Close you're, enough. you're coming I know. up on 35 um and to like still be renting like god mm-hmm. forbid um but there's a trade off you know and i i personally have come to be so comfortable with, okay, this doesn't look like what everybody maybe thinks life should look like at 35, but I'm fucking Mm -hmm. happy. There's really hard days, but I'm really happy. And I think not enough credit is given into chasing like happiness either. And like, and I want to get into your hiking and I feel like you getting in to trekking sketches, that's the Instagram and, like, what you and Kevin are cultivating has been, like, that, not to be punny, but that path <laughs> to happiness. <laughs> I had to. I had to. Um, and it's its kind of, like, I feel like it's given you, like, another purpose and, like, softened the, okay, well, what I have a doctorate. What are you going to mm-hmm. do with it? And so, like, talk a little bit about how like, do you look at checking sketches as a job yet? Or is that still just like passion led? Yeah.
1: So I think I look at our blog as still like passion led. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. people have also asked like, well, aren't like, don't you just want to like live off of that? Like, don't you just want to be like an outdoor influencer where like, that's what you do. And I was kind of like, not really. Like I think when things come up for mm-hmm. us, like opportunities or people reach out to us for like, or me for like brands, like I went and like modeled a couple packs from like my favorite, like gear brand, you know, one of my favorite um backpacking brands the other day. And I was like, do I, and i would asked myself, like, do I want to pause and make that kind of the trajectory in the career? And I think what has come up for me and this might change in the future because I really think flexibility and change and like listening to yourself is important and it's okay that you let go of ideas (laughs) that you used to have because that's Mm -hmm. part of becoming a person (laughs) and being a person. I I don't want that right now because I think what I love so much about it is that I can decide to write something or not write something and my like, my like money and livelihood doesn't rely on that because I want to be able to live my passions and decide like, you know what, today, that's not the day for that writing of that blog. And that's okay. I just want to experience that hike. And that's, what's most important to me. Um, mm-hmm. and I've almost found like hiking has been, like a vehicle or a space like we talked about for like mindful like mindfulness and meditation and just like self-awareness and for me becoming like a more whole person and that contributes to my professional life in so many ways because then I come to my work feeling like rejuvenated and like I can be like more compassionate with myself when I'm being really hard on myself it's like that parallel journey of like learning how to love hiking, which I hated at first, quite frankly, probably cause I didn't feel like good at it or successful. <laughs> um, like mirrored my pathway in education. Like I was doing both things, like how to handle obstacles and how mm-hmm. to be kind to myself um, and how to feel growth and like channel growth instead of like channeling being at an outcome. You know, like I felt like that's all yes. I wanted to do. And like, I feel like that's a, a societal script you know what I mean it's like we're always trying to get to the next thing but really like it's super cliche but like the process is the most important part and the same thing with hiking I always wanted to get to the peak so I could be done and like check it off and go back down and that was how I was yeah (laughs) like I wanted to do that for like years yeah I would be like oh my gosh I just have to get to this thing and I can say I did it and have the pretty picture and like walk back down and it's all like haha like ta-da and That like mirrored so much of my like career too. It's like, I just have to be really good at this Mm. thing. And then that's over. And I think going through a PhD while loving to hike has helped me step back and realize that it's actually all of the other stuff that's way more important than the metaphorical peak or the actual peak. Um, and so I don't want my blog or our blog to turn into that outcome thing where it's like I just need to get money from this if people don't buy the stuff that are linked on my account that is tied to my,
0: like, worth, um, so yeah. to speak. I think that you made, like, two really good points with that. And I, I feel like I, I vividly remember – Uh, you posting like a picture on I think it was on Trucking Sketches account I'm not sure of just like a tiny flower Mm -hmm. like on the side of the path and I feel like you mentioned like that day or something was the day you realized like dang like I'm missing the whole point Mm -hmm. of hiking because I'm like rushing past (laughs) all this stuff to like try to get (laughs) to the top and I feel like that idea of and that message even like you said it's so applicable to every other part of life as cliche as mm-hmm. it sounds right like we can constantly be chasing and chasing mm-hmm. and chasing and if that's how we're living life we're gonna get to where we want to go like for everyone listening Kathy is like the um epitome of a perfectionist <laughs> as well and I know recovering this about her. perfectionist What I call myself. Recovering Perfectionist, and you've always just done a really good job at everything you do. And I think it's really hard as somebody that just is good at everything you do. Like, like you said, you just started hiking during the pandemic, right? So it's like, Kathy, I would, say, I wouldn't even say was really the outdoorsy type. Opposite of, we can just name it. I, I never did right. anything
1: outdoorsy until like four years ago.
0: So it's like you for the first, not for the first time, but you ha- you completely immerse yourself in something, one, that maybe you weren't like quote unquote good at, and two, was like uncomfortable. And I think it says a lot that you kind of learn to appreciate the process and are able to apply that like across life in different ways. Because it's really, really easy to get lost in the process of things because it. It sucks. The process sucks a lot of times. And on the other side of that, I think you made a really interesting point of like you're not looking at trekking sketches as something that you want to just be successful at. But what's interesting is because it's just a passion led thing and you love what you're doing and you show up when it feels right. It's kind of like catching its own fire without that like, oh my God, let me like follow the Instagram algorithm Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And people are taking to it. I mean, like the account itself has grown pretty fast and you're doing like some really cool, like you just did something with the Appalachian Mm -hmm. Trail, right? Like uh, other than, and walking it, (laughs) other than hiking it, um, you just like did. And so it's kind of like catching attention of like really cool things without forcing it.
1: Yeah, that's been kind of the coolest thing of this whole like trekking sketches like Instagram. So like Kevin and I started that during the pandemic like in March 2020. Mm-hmm when we were in our lovely two-bedroom home in Boston and we're like, we can't leave. And we're both teaching at the same time, one room away from each yeah. other. <laughs> like, this is terrible.
0: <laughs> we yeah, have to leave. <laughs> we need to be outside.
1: Um, probably like so many other people during the pandemic, they started like really discovering like their love for like being outside and like being in nature. But like we did this and I have to say like, we, I'm not an Instagram, like social media person. Like I know nothing about the algorithms. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I'm learning really baseline social media stuff through like what we're doing like I didn't know how to build a website like that's something that we decided to do also but I feel like it became this place where it ended up just being like passion projects like Kevin got super into photography Mm -hmm. I started drawing again in a way that wasn't like Oh, is this going to be something I sell? It was just like, Oh, I want to draw today. So I'm going to draw today. I'm going to put this sketch up there because it's not meant to be finished, but just because it's like a creative process. And that in itself is an end goal, like that I get to be creative and like Mm. have an outlet for it. And that is so like helpful and healing on days when I'm like doing so much other kind of like really deep work. um, and we like, reflect pretty deeply on our blog. Like the point of it is not to be like, everything is so easy and great. And you just get to like, take this picture outside, but like our AT hike was really hard in a lot of places. So uh, it's like, yeah. we wanted to also like share like real deep reflections on like h- what it means. Um, to engage in really hard things um, and even if you love them. Yeah. And so that's like part of the sharing and it's just been like such a community building thing where now I'm like, I talk, you know, we talked in a panel this week with the Appalachian Trail Conservancy about our experiences hiking to give advice for the next group of hikers. Um, and I like much, I joined a board called, um, of an organization called Summits in Solidarity that works towards racial justice and equity and outdoor activities. And so it's just kind of opened this whole space of community and creativity
0: tell me about what the summits of solidarity is yeah, so
1: Summits in Solidarity is a nonprofit org that was founded in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, and they really work towards like fostering justice and equity for BIPOC folks um, in the outdoors. And so, like each year, we have a hike day where we're fundraising for BIPOC-led organizations. Um, like we this year are f- um, fundraising for Latino outdoors because that you know the Boston chapter and that helps um, let Latinx folks get outside and you know do different kinds of activities. And so really, it's just like another organization that is really working towards like equity and justice, not just in like our lives, but in specific places like in our outdoor activities and what we care most about.
0: That is amazing. Do they do um, like in-person activities? Or are they just like taking donations? And where are they funneling those? How does that yeah, they do. So they are they do a few different things. They take donations um, specifically
1: around our hike day. And so that hike day will be coming up, I believe on June 24th this year. And so that campaign will be starting soon because they fundraise for different organizations every year that are BIPOC led. And so they'll be like releasing like who they're fundraising for and what organizations they're fundraising for. Um, and then hike day is just really raising awareness for, you know, BIPOC folks and BIPOC folks who are out there like you know, being activists and, like, working towards, like, justice in outdoor spaces. So um, does that answer the question?
0: Yeah. No, that's so cool. So they're, like, they're an organization that has, like, an audience and a community, Mm -hmm. and then they fundraise for other organizations to kind of, like, get them – to a place where they need to be. Yeah, like they're them out. Yeah, like their
1: goal is to fundraise for
0: BIPOC-led
1: organizations because that is so important. Like listening to the people who like we should be listening to around like what it yeah. means to like make outdoors more inclusive. So that's what they do. They also run like different kinds of um like teaching and like learning opportunities to help folks from specifically like around New Hampshire and New England, like and specifically white folks, like think about what they can do in order to make the outdoors more inclusive. So they also run, um, like a "Me and white supremacy challenge, I think in like December and January. So there's like a course that people can take and engage with. So they do that as well. Um, each year. what a
0: cool, yeah. What a cool organization because I feel like that's something, um, that just not a lot of people think about.
1: Yeah. I just think about like from a personal perspective, what it comes down to is that we, we all should be able to be able to bring all of our parts of ourselves and our full selves into anything and everything that we do. And the reality is that's just not the case for everyone. So like, how can we think about um, bringing awareness and attention to that and whatever our passions are. And this just happens to be a place that I care about. And it's founded by hikers and it's founded by people who realize that they were being a part of something or contributing to something in a problematic way. And like, they want to, disrupt it and adjust.
0: I love that. That's amazing. And I'm curious about two things. I feel like we've never really talked about what the actual experience of walking the trail was like. So I remember before Kathy went, you were actually nervous Mm -hmm. about being able to finish. I know. I know. It's like, this is an ongoing
1: (laughs) process. I like espouse all of these things. And I'm like, yeah, I still have those thoughts though.
0: Yeah. But like you did it right. And you did it and you were unsure mm-hmm. if you were going to be able to finish and you ended up having like mm-hmm. an amazing time. But what was it like? Because I would imagine like some of your community is going to like hop on and listen to you talk about this. Like what was it like you guys started in June and you did yeah. something that's like called a flip flop. I'm still like unclear exactly what that means. I think it means you went like backwards for a little while. Right. And mm-hmm. you started in June and November, in, 10th. what October? Oh my God. Okay. So, like, yeah. give us a break So,
1: down. we did what's called a flip flop. Christina's like got it like halfway, which is great. Cause if you're not a hiker, you'd be like, what in the world is this lingo and terminology? So, basically, um, The Appalachian Trail traditionally goes from north, like south to north. So you go Novo or northbound and most people start in Georgia and they just hike it in a continuous journey from Georgia to Maine. We started in the middle and this is just because of time of year. It was too hot to start in Georgia in June because we're both educators. So we couldn't Mm -hmm. start earlier. Mm -hmm. We had to start in June. So we just started in the middle. (laughs) We started in Pauling, New York and we hiked north to Maine and then we... Drove back down to Pauling and then hiked south to um, Georgia. So that's what the flip-flop oh. is. It's like you flipped in the middle of it and just start somewhere random.
0: Okay. So I missed the part not yeah, you re-hike. back because I'm like, you're just like no. adding extra miles. That's called that's a yo-yo.
1: Really People totally do it. It's called a yo-yo when you just turn around and re-hike it.
0: We did. Dang. Oh, okay. 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 So five months mm-hmm. outside. Yes only and I know you did like you had some like hostels along the way there's like really cool it seems like places that are mm-hmm. set up along the trail for people to stay at which is like really cool and I know at one point like we could mm-hmm. all send you like a beer and like there was stuff like that so you're, you're not you're outside the whole time, but there are places that I feel like you also kind of garnered some community. You met people on the trail, which is really cool. Like, what was it like that five months? Oh gosh. It was
1: like, honestly, the best experience of my life. And I think like, even like this past weekend, like I cry like all the time now when I even think about it, (laughs) I just, I just, I just just, like break down in tears and I just like reflect. Upon, like, reflecting on it and this, like, thing that really, like, not only, I think, changed my life, but, like, affirmed, I think, the decisions that I've made and the fact that it affirmed um, yeah. my choices to, like, take this time for myself, which is a really hard thing to do when you're 34 um, <laughs> in the middle of a PhD program yes. to be, like, I'm going to do this thing that doesn't make sense to people. Um but yeah it's like not so wildernessy on the Appalachian Trail like you go through a town or something or a road like every like three to five days so it's like you can get into town you know like you can get and access things that you need Mm -hmm. um we spent I think like 10 to 15 nights total indoor it's sleeping inside for the whole like 146 days um so we slept in our tent almost every other night outside of those like 10 to 15 days um
0: So you had an actual Mm -hmm. tent, because I know a lot of people, I've seen, like, other accounts Mm -hmm. of people hiking that have just, like, come across algorithm pages, TikTok, fine. Um, And they just, like, lay their sleeping bag on the ground. Sometimes they'll put, like, a tarp over themselves, um, but they literally just sleep in their sleeping bag. Yeah, yeah, that's a choice.
1: I I just needed to be able to zip something up. Like, I... I uh, yes yeah those bugs like yeah. I, I as we talked about I was not an outdoorsy <laughs> kid so like there are certain challenges and I was not gonna have yeah. bugs crawling on me all night long
0: yeah no even if you're outdoorsy like I don't know how you're like oh it's like oh it's fine it's just the yeah no and like people sleep in
1: shelters there's like shelters that are like three-sided like wooden lean mm. tos that people do sleep in but I think because we hiked it as a couple too it just felt like we needed some privacy. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, I just, we had dinner with everyone. It was super communal. It was awesome. We met people. We hiked like kind of not with people like on the trail, but we would meet them like each evening or every couple days. And we'd have like dinner together Um, and like wake up in the morning and like have breakfast. And we all kind of like hiked our own separate ways and then met up again later. But I needed that space for myself.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Like, honestly, it just sounds like such a I don't want to Mm -hmm. say like a vacation, but it sounds like such a, not to be funny again, but like (laughs) such a breath of fresh air because we, I'm sorry, but like really from life, right? Because when anymore are we just like stopping connecting with people, Mm -hmm. not on on our phones, Mm -hmm. not on phone calls, you know? And so I feel like there's that aspect of it too, where you're, getting to experience just like other humans that are doing the same thing as you in a really kind of like intimate and yeah, it's way. like there was
1: so much of that, like that and like just being able to be more present with what you were doing, you know, like this is what you're doing and you're yeah. walking and you're figuring out how to like get your water. It's like, it kind of forces you back into a present and not thinking so much of the future or what just happened. It's like, you got to just like take care of yourself right now or your community. Yeah. um, Like in the moment,
0: Did you have days, because I know I would, that you just, like, did not want to get up? You did not want to keep going? I know Kevin got COVID at one point, I think, on the trail, which is crazy. Um, He hadn't had it yet. I was like, oh, my God. Of all places, like, you just contract COVID in the wilderness. Like, the one place that they tell us to basically be. Like, be away from everybody. Um, (laughs) Oh, did you just have days that you, like, didn't want to do it you know, anymore? this or? is so
1: interesting. I probably have, like, some mo- like very brief moments of time where I was like, this is really hard or I'm really miserable because it's been raining for, like, 12 hours and I'm soaked and I have this. But I never felt like I don't want to do this. Like, I felt like the whole time, like, this feels mm-hmm. like the the most immense privilege and gift that I can choose to do this, have the means to do this. Yeah. I loved it. Like I have never felt like so free in so many ways. And that doesn't mean like I wasn't thinking about things. I was thinking about things really deeply and like engaging with like other people and thinking about how to make like the trail like a more inclusive place. I was thinking about like pretty like deep things, but it just felt like, wow, like, what space I could clear out for those things being outside like this all day in a way that I just don't have space for on a daily basis um, working on
0: Yeah for people that would like want to do something like this whether it's like travel Europe or do the Appalachian Trail like I know a lot of people are probably wondering like one mm-hmm. how do you afford to do this how like um I know you guys are teachers so you technically get summer break which is nice um and I feel like that was um uh, a really beneficial thing for you guys cuz like you know some people don't get summers off and whatever you guys got rid of your apartment you Mm -hmm. got rid of a ton of your stuff to do this right and what like financially or logistically does this look like for somebody that would be like okay this is something I want to do but they like can't wrap their head around stop because you Mm -hmm. have to stop like life as you know it and put it on like a hard pause yeah it's a
1: really difficult thing and I know like this like that's what I meant it's like it's such a like privilege that like I could do that and like Kevin and I could do that um and I think it's like a combination of that like privilege and also planning how to do it and crafting a life that is such that we can and I and I think it's different for everyone like so many people live mm-hmm. different lives and this would look different for everyone based on their circumstance, but. I think this kind of like ties in with everything we've talked about. It's like our lifestyle choices, (laughs) our careers, um, knowing that like we are, you know, we're a couple, like our family is the two of us. And so we can make choices Mm -hmm. without like a necessarily responsibility, you know, for something else (laughs) that's living, you know, I'm in some ways like, you know, we're caretakers in the sense that we're both educators and that like, I care for, you know, my parents in a lot of ways, but picking a life where I knew that we could do this kind of stuff if we planned for it was really important for both of us and really when we moved to Boston we started thinking about how we want our lives to go and what things were most important to us and like traveling, adventuring, seeing the world, other cultures and hiking and backpacking were so part of that that we needed to pick careers that would allow us to do that and so Education, great. It worked out really well for both of us that we can take that time. But it was also then saving, and we had to make sacrifices for it. Like, we didn't live in a nice apartment. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't. We spent five years, like, eating as cheaply as possible and saving for kinds of trips and not indulging in things that I think a lot of other people our age, at least from like the groups of people we spend time with have, you know, I would go to friends' houses and be like, Oh my gosh, you have a freaking home. You like can decorate that home. (laughs) Like Your furniture is not from when you were 21. Like,
0: uh. (laughs) ugh. what is this yard? Is this like like, grass?
1: Like all these things. Right. And it's like those moments are really hard because they're, they show you in a lot of ways, like I'm happy with my choice and, That's not something I have right now because of the decisions that I made. And same thing with like boxing our stuff up and putting it in storage for hiking this trail. Like we couldn't do it if we had to pay rent or a mortgage, which meant for the years before the AT, we were like, we're not going to buy a house. We are not going to move because we know that this apartment is affording us the ability to do something like hike the AT. And When we got back, we didn't have an apartment for three months. We just like lived with other people and like subletted things. And that was like kind of (laughs) brutal, like not having uh, like any like stability in that way. And I think it's just what you choose to do. Um,
0: It is no secret that coffee is my beverage of choice. It is, after all, the first question that I ask every guest when they get on the show. And... As somebody that is a coffee lover, if I can't get a flavored brew, like, you know, like a vanilla brewed coffee, I do love to have flavor in my coffee. I like to change it up. I love it to be ritualistic. I love it to taste good. And I have gone through all the iterations of ways that you can take your coffee. I have taken it black. I have taken it with soy milk. I have taken it with fat-free milk. I went through a heavy cream and half and half only era and there is just nothing that i have used that i love as much as nut pods i am absolutely obsessed with nut pods in every sense of the word their flavors are amazing my favorite is toasted marshmallow and i could drink it straight out of the box it tastes so good they have a chocolate they have cinnamon swirl uh, hazelnut and these are plant based dairy free creamers, which is incredible because I feel like I am constantly on the search for a good dairy-free creamer that actually mixes with the coffee and enhances the flavor and you don't feel like you're missing out on that yummy creaminess that heavy cream and half and half give you. Um, I more often than not try to stay away from dairy. And I also don't love to put um, sugar in my coffee. So the nut pods is amazing because they have two varieties. They have an unsweetened and they actually have a sweetened, but it is a zero sugar sweetened flavor, which is incredible. So you can get that sweetness in your morning coffee or your afternoon coffee, whatever you're after, and still not be adding like that extra sugar into your day. I also love to use nut pods in my tea. I have this boba flavored tea. It is so good. And I put a splash of the toasted marshmallow creamer into it. It mixes perfectly and it enhances the flavor. Like, it's crazy. I I love it. I love it and I love it. And I'm so excited to share with you that I have a code for you to use to get off nut pods. And sometimes you can find them in the grocery store. Sometimes you can't find every flavor, but they are like never on sale. So I am so stoked to give this to you. The code is Christina Baranowski, my name, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, B-A-R-A-N-O-W-S-K-I. I will put this in the show notes. I will put the link in the show notes and you can mix and match flavors. You can get variety packs and experience the magic that nut pods will bring to your morning ritual. I want you to report back. I want you to tag me and all your coffee photos because it brings me such joy Um, And I hope that you love nut pods as much as I do. I feel like I have constantly looked for a good dairy-free creamer that doesn't get clumpy. All my... All my dairy-free people, you know what I'm talking about. You'll get like an almond milk creamer or something, and the second you put it in your coffee at curdles. this does not do that. It is smooth. It is creamy. It is delightful. It's actually Whole30 compliant, which is incredible. It's very clean, which is very important to me. And I mean, you're going to go to bed looking forward to your coffee in the morning. Mark my words. So... Enjoy that code. It is Christina Baranowski. You will get fifteen percent off your entire order, and I hope you're ready to elevate your coffee game. It's like just kind of part of the package. You saying that you guys decided to like pick up and go on the Appalachian Trail like makes it sound like it was a spontaneous decision, but it was like years of planning. And not only that, you guys had to buy like a ton mm-hmm. of gear to get through the trail successfully and i think that's important for people to understand too that things don't come easily sometimes when you Mm -hmm. want them and it's like it really is like you have to plan and if you want it bad enough you find this way to make it work and sometimes it sucks you talked about like while you were also on the thoughts of inclusivity I want you to get in a little more about that, like on the trail, you Mm -hmm. were saying. Because if I understand correctly, a lot of the hiking demographic is middle-aged, Caucasian Mm -hmm. people.
1: Yeah. For through hiking in particular, (laughs) like through hiking just meaning like you do a trail from like end to end or like long distance Mm -hmm. backpacking, like do um, like big chunks of trails for a long period of time it is, I would say like predominantly, like you said, like white, um, male, um, also. And I think age range is pretty big. Like sometimes it's like, you have people who are super young, like those who are like just out of college or like Mm. more people who are like retirees. So it's like kind of, so you have these kinds of people and then broadly the hiking community kind of fits in the demographics that we just talked about anyway. So, I mean, it's kind of like a subset within like a larger community. And I think something that's like, You know, on the trail, what I realized, and I knew this going in, was that like I was like one of the only like in five months. I think I saw maybe three, two, three, four other bipoc hikers, so hikers of color who were Mm -hmm. through hiking. Of how many? I mean, people. people Hundreds. hundreds, Yeah. So like hundreds of hikers, probably more. So. So if you think about it just from, like, a a representation standpoint, that's already, like, challenging in itself. And then, like, you know, things came up. Like, people asked me, like, inappropriate things. And, like, I was, like, deeply uncomfortable. Like, some people asked me about, like, interracial marriage. And that, like, made a lot of assumptions about Asian women and how they don't marry white people. Like, there's things that just came up and kind of just, like, surfaced their
0: This happened Mm -hmm. while you were on the trail. This happened while I was on the trail. Like, from other hikers.
1: Other hikers, people who support the trail community. And so, like, it kind of just, like, raises up and highlights. Like, there's just so much that needs to be done. And just because, like, you're in the woods doesn't mean it, like, takes you out of the world that we live in. You know, like these contexts still exist. Like I am who I am. I, my presentation's not going to change because I walk out into the woods of people's like ideas or biases. You know what I mean? Like stereotypes, like stay with them. And so for me, like I love through hiking. I love hiking. And I think it's so like, it can be so beneficial to people to be in the outdoors in any way. And there are a lot of things that we need to do to like make it better so that those kinds of things aren't putting people in positions where they're like uncomfortable or unsafe or, you know, whether it's physically or emotionally um, and that they can reap the same benefits that someone else would reap. So like, that's something that I care about deeply and that like I, I mentioned I joined a board called summits and solidarity that really works towards that kind of idea of like inclusivity and justice for, you know, out like, those in the outdoors. And like, I think that like meshes a lot with like my work that I do in education and it's like, it happens in the outdoors too. So like, how can we just like make these kinds of things for everyone?
0: Like, What would that look like? Cause I like, I totally get what you're doing and, and the things that you want to work toward, but actively like with your education and what you're doing there, because you're working with the same groups mm-hmm. of people. What does like getting more people of the BIPOC community, what does that look like like getting them out on the trail
1: so this is a big question and I think I I want to do this justice but at the same time like I know that there's a lot that goes into like an answer like this I think the first thing is that like outdoors really like it is for everyone like it just is and it's like how then do we as a community consider a, like the history and like historical nature of the fact that so many people have been excluded from places like in the past, you know, like, that, that is just a yeah. fact. like these parks were not built for black folks or for BIPOC folks. They, they weren't like historically. And so, and there's also a lot of fear for people like going out into the woods and these kinds of spaces. But at the same time, like, you know, like scientifically there's so many benefits that can be there. And so I think a lot of it has to do with like, first it's just like reflection and awareness that this is an actual thing out there that, that, this is a problem for people. Like it's an issue. And like, even just acknowledging one as like a baseline step, that that is there. And I think the second one is like willingness to like engage and do some of that, like self-work and self-reflection and think about like, why, when you look around, there are people who look like you. Is it because you had the ability to do that growing up? That was what you're used to. Like, Think about the fact that not everyone got to do that growing up or had access or could get there because you lit you know you didn't have the means or you didn't see anyone who looked like you reflected in those spaces, so you didn't go do it yourself, you know like those kinds of like deep rooted like reflections I think people really need to do like you just need to look in the mirror and ask yourself like why you have those thoughts to begin with and not make it about like the other person just doesn't want to go out into the woods it's like no there's a reason like we have not necessarily made those spaces accessible um, to them for so long and then now I think in addition to that kind of like reflection like there are things that people are doing like there are programs like for like BIPOC folks and getting outside and like going with people who are similar to you and you can share experiences and it can be it can look a lot of different ways it doesn't have to look like doing it like the hardest way it doesn't have to look like summer camp it can look like however you want it to look do you know what I mean like and I think being more open to the fact that enjoying the outdoors can look a lot of different ways for a lot of different people and not like assuming anything and saying it has to be one way. And I think that's what people are still doing right Right. now. Like it
0: doesn't have to be getting out there and hiking with.
1: Mm -mm. And having all the best
0: things and like
1: shaming people or making assumptions about people. Like so much of it's like, you know, you hear stories on trail about how like, you know, people will just be given unsolicited advice based on how they present on trail, whether they're a woman or a woman of color. And it's because of those deep-seated ingrained assumptions about people based on stereotype threat like stereotypes and racism and all those things that are ingrained in people's brains that they need to unlearn and undo. And that extends right into the world, like, you know, right into the outdoor space. Like those are all the same things. Um, And so just like having those conversations, being aware of those things, um, realizing that like it can't be, just the work of BIPOC, BIPOC folks to do it, you know? It's like there need to be white people who are like allies in it yeah. and supporting Was it. Was
0: this aspect of getting into hiking and everything like kind of unexpected for you? Yeah. I think
1: for me personally, like growing up, so I'm I'm Vietnamese American, and growing up, kind of like what I learned – was like assimilationist kind of ideals. Like you just need to fit in. And that meant like right. a lot of white friends and like hiding like my culture and identity and like being really embarrassed and shame, feeling a lot of shame for like things that I mm-hmm. ate or like what like language was spoken at home or like how like differently I spent my time, you know, or like not being Christian or like there was a lot of things kind of wrapped up in that. And it took a lot of years to like really reflect on the fact that that assimilationist mentality really kind of did a lot of harm to me, like knowing who I was. And I think my parents did their best. Like they also were immigrants, so they were trying their best and they didn't know what was better. They thought it was best for me to just like fit in because then I could like, you know, do well. And so I think all of that has been, really present in like my like probably twenties to thirties as something I've just been reflecting Mm -hmm. on and trying to like reconnect a lot more with my culture. And in hiking, I don't think it like came out of nowhere, but I think it was just like a reflection of the things that I kind of, I've dealt with elsewhere. And because the hiking space is like, as I've mentioned, like demographically, like demographically what it is, it just felt like very prominent. That issue, um, like I live in a quite like diverse area, and I study, you know, what I study, like, is um, already just like puts me in contact with a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. But hiking just isn't that way, so it was like, oh yeah, like I remember what this feels like, (laughs) and it's here too. But I love hiking, and I'm not going to stop doing it because these, like, this is something I love to do. And so, just like, how can we make it better? You know, like,
0: I think that commitment is just really important to me love that and I feel like it's pretty amazing that you I don't know how big the groups are that you work with that like really are trying to change the way that this looks but it's so crazy like talking about it because it sounds like such a massive undertaking but it's like if you're not gonna do it who Mm -hmm. is you know and I feel like that is back to just how you're kind of like living life on your own terms like yeah it's that's a that's a huge undertaking to be like okay this is something that I want to change it's like an established way of the world but you're just like kind of running headfirst into the fire of being like no I can handle mm-hmm. it and you're doing that in education and now in like the outdoor space and I know like I, I send like a little I guess questionnaire if you want to call it before I talk to people just because I like to hear from your perspective without like being mm-hmm. prompted kind of like the way that you view what you're doing. And you mentioned a few times, and I get it because I do this too, actually. You mentioned a few times you feel like you're doing like a hundred things. And to a lot of people, like it might not make sense or it looks messy from the outside or whatever people want to project from themselves onto like what you're doing. But I like after even just, and I've always like kind of known what you're doing just because we know each other like in real life but i feel like it's a lot more cohesive and everything you're doing makes a lot more sense than you're giving yourself <laughs> credit for like you're you're really grabbing a cause and trying to change it in different areas of of life and and i think it's a lot more cohesive than just because like education and hiking don't necessarily like they're not categorized under the same Mm -hmm. thing you know education is education and hiking is outdoors or whatever your cause for like your existence is like this huge Mm -hmm. thing and I don't think you're giving yourself like enough credit for that it's not all over the place I I feel like probably because I'm so in it
1: right now you know what I mean like I can see how like the dots like certain dots like come together like I can like draw a line between certain dots and I think certain things make sense and so in a lot of ways like I do see all the connections between them they're just like right now like on a daily basis I'm like okay I'm gonna jump from this project to this project to that to that and so it's hard to see through the day-to-day when I'm like on like four different teams or research teams and I'm doing this at this school and this at a different school because I'm a consultant for another school like you know and then I'm also like you know like I just so much going on and then I'm like oh there is definitely like a through line there and I guess like the through lines are around like thinking about like equity in education and in like outdoor spaces like Like helping people figure out and follow their passions as well, like in education and outside of it. And then like creativity, art, and feeling – finding ways to express oneself, not just in like traditional formats, quote, that we like learned growing up, you know? Yeah.
0: And it's really hard to like craft something that doesn't Mm -hmm. exist. And I feel like that's kind of what you're – that like kind of makes me emotional. Like I just got a little emotional when I said that because I feel like that's something that not a lot of people I'm I'm getting emotional. I don't know if it's cuz I'm on my period. <laughs> we just know each other for too long. My, that's I'm, why. <laughs> I'm really getting emotional. Um because I feel like it's so hard to do. I mean, my cause what I'm doing is nowhere near like it does not hold a candle to what you're doing. But I've had to from graduating with a freaking economics degree from one of the best like schools in the country detach myself from being like yeah I this is what I'm supposed to do but I don't Mm -hmm. like it I actually fucking hate it and I've had to for the last like 10 years piece together all these like okay this doesn't make sense like yeah I'm gonna like bake now and then I'm gonna like pour candles and I'm gonna Whatever. And it's just never made sense. But slowly, like through action, like you have to do it, right? You have to go through all the iterations of like, okay, I like this. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like this. And to me, like my passions lie in holistic health. And I still love food and I love things that smell good. And I want every human on this planet especially like the women out there that have something they want to do to like fucking go do it and I'm like that is not a job (laughs) that's not a thing that exists right and it's really really hard and it takes a lot of like digging your heels in to be like how can I make all these things that I'm passionate about Mm -hmm. make sense and the reality of it is a lot of times on the outside, like you're probably not ever really going to make sense Mm -hmm. to people of what you're doing on the inside. But that doesn't mean like you're not, you've kind of crafted your own day to day. And like your reality is pretty amazing because you did all this school, which uh, is like such a toll, right? But now you have a job you enjoy, but really that job is a foundation and stability for like what i feel like you're meant to be doing and somehow what you're meant to be doing is still wrapped up in your job where most people are like crunching Mm -hmm. numbers right to support whatever it is that they actually want to be doing and i think there's something to be said for like the years and years of you not knowing like i don't have really any idea what i'm working toward but like you actually Mm -hmm. are and i i don't know if you like You've got to realize it. You're Some days I do. And some days I'm like, what the fuck was <laughs> <What is> that? <laughs> like, why? <laughs>
1: like, some days I'm like, totally. This, like, makes, this makes so much sense. Terrible. And other days I'm like, like, I don't know what I'm doing again. Like, it feels like so hard to not know things and to feel like you're always figuring stuff out and like always questioning like oh gosh I don't have the training for that I gotta go figure that one out again you know like that's really hard to do um yes no like I can see that and I know I've made intentional choices it's taken a lot though and a lot of like shedding um Expectations from other people, like both personally, like in my own life, as well as like just societal expectations. And that's really hard. Like, and I'm still doing that. Like, some days I feel really good, and then like, or even some moments I feel really good. And then like moments later, someone says something, or I see something, and I think, oh shit, like, am I supposed to be doing, like, am I supposed to be doing that? People are judging me for not doing that, or people are gonna be like, oh, like, I'm not fulfilled because I'm not doing X, Y, and Z. Like, that comes up all of the time and I think the only difference now is not that it comes up but that I'm able to respond to it differently. I'm able to be like this is a mm-hmm. choice that I made. This isn't because I'm just following something. Like I am choosing this and I feel good about my choice and sometimes it's harder than other yeah, days. Yeah, it's
0: like you're it's the dreaded what mm-hmm. do you do question. When people ask me what I do, I find myself trying to mm-hmm. justify it. Why are you justifying your life? I don't have to justify. Like I've made a job for myself and like, yeah, days of mental breakdowns. Like without a doubt. Even even though I'm not like on a grand scale right now, still mental breakdowns. And then the next day I'm like, oh yeah, (laughs) I knew is what I'm doing. This is amazing. Um, I also want to say, Christina, you said you were like, you know, I'm
1: not doing anything as like purposeful as you, but like, don't do that. You're doing something that's purposeful and like meaningful, and it just it just is different for everyone it is
0: and i and it goes back to like that uh, when there's passion behind it it's gonna unravel in a way that whether it makes sense tomorrow or it makes sense in like mm-hmm. ten years it's gonna make sense because Um, I talked about this with someone else and it's like a lot of the world is shifting to having these like heart-led businesses and not maybe you'll have like a full-blown business and you know or maybe you're just going to be one of those amazing people that has like a passion project that changes lives across the planet and you're not looking for anything monetarily from it and that's like amazing you know and I don't know. I just think what you're doing is so cool. And I I really admire the way you've done it because just being on your inside circle too, like you've gotten a ton of pushback. A ton. Really. A ton. You can talk about it or not want to talk about it, but I do want to touch on, you know, we've, we chatted a little bit in the beginning about like, not having kids and up until recently for me, like, I mean, granted I'm not married yet, but like who does anything in order anymore? Doesn't matter. Uh, I've chosen like, uh, yeah, I don't want kids. I mean, that started to change a little bit in the last few years. And I'm not sure if it's because I found out like I have fertility issues um, and that changed my mind. But you and your husband have actively chosen to be what we will call mm-hmm. child free, not childless, because a lot of people probably projecting from themselves or looking at what you're doing, selfish, childless, you're missing out, your life isn't mm-hmm. gonna be full. Is that something you wanna like touch on? Or yeah, not? sure. I think, you know, it's so interesting. This is probably the first time I've really
1: talked about like our child free decision making outside of probably people who are very close to me, you know, like my sisters or like Mm -hmm. some of my friends who like know us very like, you know, Kevin and I at this stage in our lives, which I think is different than knowing me and Kevin for years and years of our lives. So, um, I'll just say this. So Kevin and Mm -hmm. I started dating when we were 17 years old, which means we've been together for 17 years, which is a really long time, (laughs) especially for, I know, especially for our age. Um, but we... I don't think either one of us were ever like, I really want kids. Like it just kind of felt like Mm -hmm. when we got to being like 28 or something like our 29 in that range, I was saying we're making choices about where to move and what to do next. That was like the conversation and we like talked about it. We thought that might be something we would do. Like did a lot of like, honestly, like my own work and like therapy and thinking about like my own like experiences with, being a child, like, you know, with my own parents and things like that. And it over Mm -hmm. the course of the last six years, it just became more clear that that is just not a choice that I want to make. And I think what's difficult about is like, I guess like the reason, like part of the reason is, is that I really love my life. I love my husband. I love the life that we have crafted together. And I don't want a kid and a kid so badly that I would ever want to disrupt something that I've worked very hard to build. Um, and I would never choose to bring another human being in the world if I wasn't sure about it. Like I think for other people, like I admire it so much. Like I, you know, like parenting or caregiving. But for me, like if I'm not certain about it, I'm not going to put another life, like bring another life into this world if I didn't know myself, that I could give everything that I could to it. and, like, in a really difficult and, like, challenging way, like, I'll say, like, Christina knows this, like, I, um, I love my parents, but, you know, I, I kind of parented myself for most of my life. And, like, I still parent myself. Yeah. And like, they're just not able to give me what a parent can, w- would want to give to their children, like, in terms of, like, emotional support. um, And I'm often the caretaker for them and caregiver for them. and. Mm-hmm that's enough for me. And care, being a care, you can be a caregiver yeah. for family and for kids. Like we're both, ed, my husband and I are educators and we're realizing like, that's just as important as being a biological yeah. parent, like caring about your community yes. and caring about people. And so for me, it like, it's just taken a lot though. And a lot of like crying and a lot of like soul searching and a lot of, like you said, yeah. pushback on, yeah. you know, from a lot of people not consciously, but I think unconsciously people will say things about our choices. Like how could you, like, or like, how could you co-choose? Like, why would you like invest your time doing X, Y, Z, like traveling when like you could be like having a family or like how, you know, like those kinds of things. And I don't think people say it from a place of malice. I think they say it from like a lack of understanding that different things are going to fill people up and the default doesn't have to be to have kids. Like that's not the only way. To me, yes. like, um,
0: and I, yeah, I just, it's such an emotional thing. I don't know. I, it, it, it really is. And I, I really admire because it goes back to you. I think it, it, if the timing, you know, lines up, like you said, it's like when you really, who is Kathy, right? Like, who is she? And it was like in that same time that you realized, like, okay, maybe. The traditional path is not for me, but it took you. Like being able to drown out all the what you mm-hmm. should be doing with the like, what do I want to do? And I don't know if you experience this, but I feel like there's a common misconception of people that like, if you don't want kids, you don't like kids. But like, it's not true. And like, you have dedicated you and Kevin both have like dedicated your mm-hmm. life to kids and. I love what you said where it's, like, just because they're not your biological children doesn't mean that you're not, like, caring and caregiving for – which I think is almost even more amazing because it's, like, they're not your kids, but mm-hmm. they are your kids, you know? And and you're making, like, big difference in their life that maybe you wouldn't be able to leave the footprint or make the impact that you are if you were, like, you know – as we know, like kids are Mm -hmm. all consuming and it would maybe not allow you to do all the things that you want to do. And I think it's like pretty amazing that you were able to like stand up against, not against, but like stand Mm -hmm. up for yourself in all the pushback and all the, it's, it's, it's hard. And I don't even know how to like fully verbalize the way it feels because there was, like I said, there was a period in time where I was like, I just don't want kids. And like people almost get like Mm -hmm. disgusted. And it's a, it makes you feel like something's wrong with you. And I think it's like really okay. (laughs) Yeah. Like you're not deficient because
1: like that's, you know what I mean? Like you're not less of like a woman and you're not deficient and you're not you know, I think it's hard when people are like, you're missing out on the biggest thing of like, you know, life. And it's like, well, yeah, I can see that for some folks that like, that might really feel that way for some. And that's, but that's not like a universal. Everyone has to feel that way.
0: Yeah. I love the way you said that. And I couldn't have said it better myself. And before we wrap (laughs) up though, I have to ask you, what is, no, oh gosh. If you listen, you know what's coming. Um, If you had to wrap everything up and put into words, like, your biggest, boldest dream for yourself, for your life. It can be for career. It can be for uh, trekking sketches. It can be just Mm -hmm. with Kevin. It can be whatever. Like, even if it feels unattainable those are my favorite ones what does that look like for you um hmm. this is
1: so hard I think I wrote all this down by the way when you like asked me this question and then now I have no idea what I wrote down which is hilarious but you know not so surprising at the same time I think like my (laughs) boldest dream is probably everything that I've said which is continuing to like make thoughtful and intentional choices for myself and like letting it be okay that I'm gonna change my mind I'm going to like choose things that feel right in the moment I'm gonna take in the consideration of like other people people's you know thoughts or ideas and like the world but I'm also going to like let myself try stuff let myself leave things behind that I don't want anymore or don't serve me anymore Mm -hmm. and like keep moving through like that. And like, it's okay that I don't know what's going to happen next. Like sitting with that discomfort is like a pretty bold dream for people who have been programmed to feel like they need to know what they're doing and explain themselves. And so maybe that's just like a way of being that is like my bold dream is like continuing to like live like this and like follow things that I care about and like like maintain like this like loving relationship and like exploring and like traveling the world together has been the most important thing of my life. And I, you know, I think I've had a lot of questions about that over the years about like the choices that I've made. And like, I feel now for the first time, I don't care anymore about that. Like it feels good. And I want to keep going with that because we have so much more like life to live and who knows what's going to come up. But yeah, it's just like that way of being. I want to keep, I want to keep doing despite the fact that I know more expectations are going to be piled on.
0: I love that. Um, And I love that for you. It's, I, I actually was talking to somebody about this literally the other day and the best way for me to describe it is just like, unbothered Mm. peace right and it's like finding it's really really hard to do um but it's somehow quieting not only like the people around you but your own thoughts of this isn't right I shouldn't be doing this and I think a lot of people get lost on the path of like should 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 that they become miserable and unhappy and feel like they can't crawl out of that hole and we so often like put ourselves as the last and I love that like for you you're like no like I'm gonna chase unbothered peace <laughs> like you know it is because it's like when when you reach that spot you're so sure mm-hmm. of what you're doing that regardless of like what happens or what people say or if something doesn't work out like I've gotten very comfortable <laughs> with failure like it just but it's mm-hmm. never failure it's like a redirection and you just kind of like Brush it off and go on to something else that will fill you up even more. And I like really love that outlook and like nurturing the relationship you have, right? Because he's your adventure partner. He
1: really is. I feel I so like that. lucky
0: to have found that
1: at, you know, in like the last 17 years. But then it's also been like figuring out myself in relation to that, you know, like who I am as an yeah. individual and who we are as a couple. And like that's.
0: And then, okay. So, to wrap this up you guys are gonna do the pacific
1: i love that you just go pacific and then drop the sea because you weren't sure about it that's amazing it's called called. the pacific crest trail just say the pct it's pacific crest okay that's what's next um it goes from Mexico to Canada. So we're going to do half of it this summer. We're going to do 1,200 miles. And this is part of like crafting a life of like realizing we need full-time jobs still and we still want to hike. So we're going to do Northern California to Canada
0: That's amazing. Summer. When so when are you starting that? June. Okay. So we'll go through soon. June
1: through August. Yeah, it's soon. I like can't believe that it's coming up so soon. Um, but then when we do the other part, we can come through your neck of yes. the woods because it's actually not far from when you. When are you doing that?
0: I'll meet you there. We don't I have no idea, um, but we are gonna do well it. I'll meet you there, either way. Um, Good. And where can people find you if they want to like follow everything you're doing? You said you have a website, Instagram. Yeah,
1: so I would follow our joint hiking mm-hmm. website and Instagram. It's at um, trekking sketches, and both of our website and Instagram handle are the same. So it's www.trekkingsketches.com. And at tracking sketches for the Instagram. And because my personal Instagram is really not used at all. Amazing. I just put everything yeah. on
0: our hiking one. And I will put that in the show notes. Thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me. I love that we did this. I feel like I always say this, but I feel like we could just go forever. So I had to, I had to cut us off. Sorry. We certainly could. <laughs> Yay.
1: I'm so glad I got to be here. And I'm so proud of you Aww. and all that you're doing. I
0: love you. I'm so proud of you. Well, thank you so much, and everybody go find Kathy and Kevin at Trekking Sketches, and I can't wait to see your next hike.